to the Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. responsibility. Personal responsibility. You have a responsibility as a Christian, as a believer in your walk with God. What does that mean? Is that while we are justified by faith, true, but there is a response that that is needed. If you are truly saved, a response should come. You have a responsibility to be in the word of God. You have a responsibility to pray and commune with God. You have a responsibility to the people that are sitting around you in this room and in this community. You see, what happens is we have a tendency to see the church as our sin does not affect anyone else. We have sins in our life that if we're not careful, as I I have come to call them, they become our pet sins meaning they're small, a lot of times they're hidden, and they seem insignificant that they're not hurting anybody. But the problem comes is when someone in this body needs you to to journey alongside of them, to pray with them, to minister to them, but you are so guilt-ridden from your sin, you are incapacitated to do so. This is how your sin affects other people without even realizing it. I haven't really hit the mark this week, so I'm not going to go to church because I don't want to be convicted. I'll feel guilty. One week turns into two weeks, turns into a month, turns into many months. And we're thinking of ourselves, but really, what about the people that need you in this body? Sin will prevent that. You have a personal responsibility. The second theme I want to share tonight is mutual accountability. Mutual accountability. Now, some of us, depending on where we're from, this comes easier for you, okay? Those of us that are come from the West, we're very individual-minded. When we get the green lights, when we turn 18 or we get out of school and we've got the open door, we're gone. See ya. I talked to some of my, my, my actual brothers, my blood brothers. One of them I haven't talked to probably in over a year and a half. It's not that we don't love each other. It's just the way, way we're raised, the way we're built. Well, in other cultures, so, so each side has its own strength and weaknesses. Let me just put that out. I'm going go to step to the other side here in just a second. So, okay, that's our weakness. But the strength is that, that we recognize our individuality and that we have a responsibility. Now, other cultures... You go to their house and you've got four generations stacked up in multiple floors, don't you? You're all living up in the same house. You can't, you're all together. If there's a meal on the weekend, you're going to be there. And we have bits of this in the States. For example, in the South, there's, there's this closer family kind of knit thing. And so that's great and all. Those things that have positives. But the weakness is that there is no individuality. Some people have a hard time stepping out because 
because they're so connected with the family. And what happens is when uh, someone, you know, couple gets married, there might be a misreading of scripture and it's not the two shall become one, it's like the three or four shall become one because when you get in your first argument, right? The wife's gone, you know, the husband's trying to lead his home and do his thing and the wife's like, well, I need to go talk to mom first before I say anything. Just keep looking at me and they won't know it's you. <laughs> it's true though, right? Every, both cultures have its, their strengths and weaknesses is what my point is. And this... This is what makes this, what makes Crossroad International Church beautiful. Is when you look across this room, we're not all brown. We're not all white. We're not all green or pink or whatever color you want to pick. We are a mix, aren't we? Can I get an amen? It's only Jesus Christ that brings us together. But we can glean from one another and we can grow and we can learn. When I was... uh, Growing up, some would say I'm still doing so, but um, when I was growing up in school, I actually, I used to play trombone, believe it or not, and I played from fifth grade to my senior year. I was in a, a school of music and orchestra and everything else and did all these things, traveled to England, to London. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Um, traveled there. It's great. It was, it was really neat. But one of the interesting things about that time, and as I will get to scripture here, I promise, don't worry. Um, is that, so in an orchestra, in the orchestra I played in, there was three trombones. We each had individual parts that we played. And if, I, re, I recall this one time specifically. It was so embarrassing. The, so a whole orchestra, you know how orchestra is not a small, right? So all these kids from all over the area, you know, we, we get together once a week and put on concerts. And so we're practicing this song and the conductor she was very good, and she's, she, she stops everything. The whole orchestra stops, and she's like, because she's got, you know, the score, and so she sees all the parts and what should be happening, and she's like, there's just something missing on this part here, and so she's like, well, okay, she's like, how about the brass, the brass, that's all the, the horns and stuff like that. How about you guys go ahead and play it, play it, go. So we're playing, and then she stops, and she's like, nope, something's still missing, and so then she keeps narrowing it down, right? She's narrowing it. You see where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> so she gets to the trombone. There's three trombones, right? So we three play, and my, my chances of survival here are dwindling by the second. And, uh, yeah, so we play, and it becomes very evident. Uh, and so then she asked me to play by myself, you know, in front of the entire orchestra. And I demonstrated my inability to play the part at that time <laughs> very well. And she had me do it two or three times just to solidify it, make sure I, I felt it, and I did. And so what did I do? I went home, and I practiced for a week every single day. There's like 10 measures of this song, okay? And songs, you know, then you're page and page and page after page. My point is, is that that was my personal responsibility. It was my job to practice my part, all right? It was my job to practice my part, and I was not prepared. My mutual accountability, though I would not have volunteered for it, came very swiftly in that scene, didn't it? But the whole, not just the other trombones, not just the whole brass section, 
but the entire orchestra was depending upon my personal responsibility, and they were going to be sure to give me the accountability needed to succeed. Yes, my life is full of them, Steve. <laughs> Galatians 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted also. Carry one another's burdens in this way, you will find, I'm sorry, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he is deceiving himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone, and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, I pray just that you would speak. God, use me as your vessel. Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Notice in verse 1 there of chapter 6, Paul begins with a very important thing. I've pointed it out a few times, I believe, and I'll point it out again. Notice that he says, brothers. When Paul's about to bring it home, when Paul's about to share something that's challenging, he goes to the brothers because he wants them to know just how much he loves them. In essence, Paul is doing the very thing that he is about to tell them. He's showing them love, but he's going to bring correction on some areas. Notice that it says, if anyone or if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore a person with a gentle spirit. Oftentimes, sadly, in the church, this doesn't happen. The restoration with a gentle spirit falls short a lot of times, meaning... If we're not careful, we look at other people, and when we see them fall into sin. Now, again, notice he's not saying people. He says brothers. What does brothers mean? His physical brothers? No, it means the brothers in Christ. These are fellow Christians who are fall, have fallen into sin. Now, I think if we're all honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We all sin. When we said yes to Jesus... If you, if you thought it was going to be a fairy tale and a magical ending, uh, I think you found out probably pretty quickly that there's still flesh that we have to deal with. There's still temptation and there'll still be sin. Now, we're not talking about, it's a big difference between following Christ and doing your best and falling and making mistakes as opposed to habitual sin. I'm not talking about habitual sin. That's a whole entire another thing. Habitual sin is not, is not right doesn't mean we don't struggle with things, but what it means is that you probably need to get help. Mutual accountability, right? Now, go back to, um, if you have your Bibles, go up just a few verses back into chapter 5, and you'll, this will sound very familiar, I'm sure. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, Gentleness, okay, gentleness, self-control. So if we're to restore somebody in gentleness, where does it need to come from? The Spirit of God. 
You cannot talk to somebody or address someone's sin without first spending time with God and checking your own heart and asking God, Lord, help me to have the right spirit as I approach this person. Help me to do it in a spirit of gentleness. And notice it says that we restore them with a gentle spirit. And it says, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted also. Now, <clears throat> again, and I've, I've often interpreted it this way, and it's not wrong necessarily. It's obviously not a good idea if you have struggled with alcohol to probably go into a bar and try to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. You better make sure that you are completely set free. And that God has empowered you and sent you into that place. Otherwise, you're going to end up at the bar with a higher tab than the guy next to you. You're going to fall back into the very thing that you were delivered from. Be very careful. Now, my point is that I I know that some of it is those kinds of things, the sins that we've struggled with to be careful, you know, going in. Let me just give you some other free advice. Uh, It's not a good idea for a man to go in and minister to a woman. It's not a good idea for a woman to minister to a man. All right? Unless you're married to them, then it's okay. You're not off the hook. (laughs) Listen, I've seen more things, and I wasn't even a pastor. I've seen more times ministry. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. Right? (laughs) It's just, it's like a dating club or something, you know? You know, we're just, we're praying together, and, you know, I'm just ministering, and she's pregnant. It's like. I don't know how you're praying, but, but there's a disconnect here somewhere we need to figure out. But this is why it's not intended for men and women to do that, okay? Can we agree on that? That's, that's, that's free. That's free for you. So, but, but again, we, we have to understand that, that there is temptation. And what I believe here, one of the biggest things, and perhaps what Paul is getting at, as we'll see here soon, because of some of the the verbiage he uses, is that the biggest thing that we can be tempted with is pride. You come in on the white horse to save the day, you know, and, and, you know, you can be humble. You can be humble, and you can come in, and if you're not careful, pride can creep in. Have you ever met somebody that's proud of their humility? I know a few of these people. I've known a few of these people. And they come in and, oh, you know, it's okay. And they're the ones that, you know, go, go ahead. If there's a line at a restaurant or something, oh, please, I'm going to stand back here. I'm going to stand back here in the back because I'm humble. You go ahead. Well, I practice my humility. Everyone, I'm practicing humility. Right? It's the me show. And let me tell you, if you tell me to go in front of you, I'm going to walk right in front of you. I don't, it doesn't matter, especially if there's food. There's no shame in my game. But, but there's, a, there's a, a, a look of humility. There's a, an appearance of humility that isn't from the heart, that isn't a godly kind of humility. And if we are not careful, church, whenever we have to go in and we have to confront someone, because what can happen so easily is you begin to compare your sin with that person's sin. I know some people that uh, I was counseling, some mar- doing marriage counseling, and they'd gone to, <clears throat> to a, uh, like a weekend retreat marriage seminar, right? And they sat down for a few moments, 
with the other people and heard some of the other stories, and their first thing they said to each other is, well, our problem is not that bad. Yeah. Suddenly, we don't, we don't look so bad anymore. And again, if you're not careful, then you, you, don't, you don't address the sin that, that's there and, the thing, and accomplish what God is trying to do in your life. So when we go in, church, we have to make sure that we don't fall into pride. We have to make sure that, that we go in with the right attitude. Carry one another's burdens. In the military, when I was in, we were in a squad, and we were responsible for the squad. Your, if your squad, if one person or if you had 12 people in your squad and 11 of them finished, your squad did not finish whatever it was. You did not leave the one person behind. You only finished, you only succeeded when your entire group succeeded. This became painfully evident when we were in basic training and on a ruck march. And uh, there was a person that was falling out, and I was in the back of the, the lines, you know, where, where you march with your helmet and uh, all your body armor and a weapon, and, you know, you've got your boots and all this, this weight you're carrying, and a 30-pound pound rucksack, which you know, whatever that translates to kilos, but it's, it's heavy across whatever <laughs> system you use. It's called heavy, and it hurts. And, uh, and so we're in the, I'm in the back. Me and my buddy are in the back, you know, bringing up the back and just making sure people aren't falling out, and this person's falling out. And so what do we have to do? <clears throat> we're almost to the end. We're trying to push this person. Come on. We're literally, like, grabbing them and dragging them for a while. And then what happened is we... Pretty much my buddy took like the weapon, their weapon. I grabbed the, uh, their rucksack along with mine, all of the stuff I was carrying and had to finish this march so that this person could finish the march. But that's, that's the picture. If you can see Pastor Dell sweating and hurting and, you know, suffering, that is the picture of what it means to carry someone else's burden, if, if you need a better translation, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not convenient. But we are called, again, carry one another's burden. We are not individuals. We are a body. Has anybody ever stubbed their pinky toe on the piece of furniture in the dark? This small, insignificant little guy hanging out on the end down there. Does everybody understand how significant every part of the body is? If you don't, I don't recommend going home and trying it, but if you need that, feel free, and you will find out very quickly that that little pinky toe is part of your body. While some of us might be an arm or you know, much more glamorous or have more important things, let me encourage you to stop and pause and look for those that are suffering or those that are hurting. Because if you jump from verse 2 to verse 5, it says, for each person will have to carry his own load. So you're responsible, your personal responsibility is to carry your load. Your mutual accountability is to carry someone else's from time to time until they're able to carry it themselves.
Let's go to verse 6. Now, uh, verse 6, the one who has taught the message must share his goods with the teacher. This is why we preach series. So you know that your pastors do not cherry pick these scriptures for their benefit. All right. The Bible, not just here, but many places, it's saying that you are to take care of the teacher. Let me assure you, and I'm speaking for Pastor Steve, but I think he would agree. We are well taken care of by this church. We are grateful for the leadership of this church and for making sure we are taken care of. All right? I don't want you to think any, anything else. <clears throat> However, some churches have uh, a view that they want their pastors both humble and poor in spirit. God, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. Unfortunately, this is the case in many places all around the world is where, and this is what Paul, why did Paul put this in here? This is just like out of nowhere, right? We were just talking about sharing someone's burdens and now Paul's addressing this issue. The problem was, is that there in Galatia, these people were not taking care of those that were teaching. They were not operating from a place where the fruits of the Spirit were active. They were sowing to things that were of the flesh. They were more concerned about their own well-being than they were that of those in the church and even as far as their teachers. And again, you can... There's two extremes to this, unfortunately. One, as we've already talked about, is that the congregation chooses to keep its pastor from uh, even flirting with becoming proud or, you know, having a problem with money by keeping the money out of their hand, all right? That's the one side. But on the other side, which I have to address, is that unfortunately there are ministers or pastors or people sometimes on television, not all, that do the other extreme where all they want is your money. And they will package it in such a way that sounds spiritual, and they take advantage and pray on the weak. And that's the other extreme. And that does happen, unfortunately, in churches all around the world. Here at CIC, though, we try to stay in the middle. We're going to be honest with you. We're not going to try to take your money. That's why one of the reasons why we have an offering box. We don't pass the plate. We don't pass the bag. This is between you and God. Now, I shared this on Friday. I'll share it again <clears throat> There are some churches in the state, if you're states where I'm from, if you're a member and you do not tithe because you put your name on the envelopes, if you stop tithing after a month or two, the church is going to give you a phone call. And they're going to ask you why you haven't been tithing. You guys are way more mellow here than Friday. I literally heard gasps all around the room on Friday. (laughs) You guys are fine. So we're just going to start calling you guys. No, but this is... You know, they had, I mean, when I first heard this, I was like, are you kidding? I wouldn't go to that church. But then as I, I don't know if I was reading an article or listening to somebody speak about it, but what they said is the reason was, then they would ask, is everything okay? How can we help you? 
Are you financially able to pay your bills? What can we do as a church? You know what that's called? Mutual accountability. And let me just share with you, we have the ability, oftentimes we can very easily be accountable in certain areas. But when it comes to our money, just gonna let that sit for a second. When it comes to our money, I mean, when we mention money from the front, sometimes you can see like people actually reaching back and just putting their hand over their pocket, like just to make sure that nobody's trying to pull their wallet out. Why is that? Does money have a place in our life that's maybe just not quite right? Maybe it, is it pushing the God a little bit out of the picture? Is it becoming an idol? Right? The fact of the matter is, church, and I don't know, maybe we can talk about our meeting tomorrow, is we don't, we can't hold you accountable. We're not going to set up a hidden camera inside the box checking out like what you're putting in. And <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's biblical. Jesus watched them. We're just going to sit back there and start watching you. You try to leave, we're going to stand in front of the door and like, did you forget something? Got a Christmas Eve service to put on, right? See, no, I'm just kidding. But joking aside, church, you know, you didn't need to, that is, in our, at CIC, it's between you and God. You know, and if you want accountability, we can give it to you. But uh, that's one area, just we just don't have the visibility on it. And so I would, just, I would just encourage you, and you know, if, you know, it's there, and give, give generously. And I promise that you cannot outgive God. And that's from my own personal experience. Shall we move on? Okay, we will. Verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows into his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So, we must not get tired of doing good, for we shall reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Has anyone ever gardened in here? Okay. Yeah, it's about the same amount of people in our other service too. Okay. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Does anybody have one plant that's like died in their window or anything or something? Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> if you've ever planted a seed... How many have planted a seed and gone back the next day? What'd you see? (laughs) Just a pile of puddle of dirt, right? Just a bunch of dirt sitting there in a pot, just like you left it. Now, does you just plant the seed and walk away forever? No, you still need to water and and do some things, right? You need to attend tend to that seed. And in season, in time, that seed, one day you'll come back and you'll see a little green leaf or something just poking up through the surface. And that from there, it can grow into whatever it's supposed to be. And this is really, you know, Paul, what he's talking about is that, you know, we can't give up. All right. We cannot give up. And it says, he says, too, you know, for you reap what you sow. 
The one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. If you plant a seed, a pumpkin seed, you will not get an orange tree. All right? That's just the way it goes. You will get whatever you have planted. And so what he's talking about here is when you are sowing to the things of the flesh, when you are doing things in your flesh that you want because it feels good or it seems okay, let me tell you something. If sin wasn't fun, no one would do it. True story. Where would the temptation be if sin... I know there's about two people in here that are like, oh, I don't, I don't have that problem. <sighs> you're just not being honest and you're sinning, so we're back to square one. We all, <laughs> sin is attractive. That's what the world enjoys. Now, the thing is, though, what Paul is saying is whatever you sow, one day you will reap it. And so many times when we throw our hands up and like, God, what's going on with my life? God, why is this happening? God, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just letting you reap what you've sown. God didn't plant that seed. You did. If, a, if someone goes out today and they shoot somebody and kill them, they're most likely, hopefully, they're going to go to prison for a very long time or even in some places they'd be put to death. Is that fair? Don't answer that. It's a loaded question. But, but haven't they reaped what they sowed? Some things that we sow to the flesh reap much longer and much farther consequences than others. Sin is sin. Don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Sin is sin. Okay? But if you get mis- you know, charged the wrong amount at a restaurant and you walk out... It has very different consequences than if you shoot somebody. Correct? Sin is sin. But what Paul is saying is here is you can bet that you will reap what you've sown. And when we dabble with sin, because sin is enjoyable for a season, it seems good. But if we dabble with it one day, it's going to take you further than you want to go. And it's going to cost you more than you want to spend and it's gonna keep you there longer than you wanna be. What are you sowing to in your life? Is it the things of the spirit or is it the things of the flesh? Verse 10, therefore, again, in your Bible, when you see a therefore, you need, to, you need to pause for a second because basically something is about to come from everything that was said. Okay, so all this stuff Paul was saying, he's built up to this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. You know, the thing that jumped out to me in this scripture here is as we have opportunity, and one thing in our culture today, in the time that we live, we have a, a, this tendency and we actually love to be busy. We love to have the next thing that we're going to, you know, we're coming and we're doing this, but we're, also, we're thinking like three things ahead, aren't we? Because we have so much to do. 
got to take the kids here. We got to pick up this person here. We got to get groceries and we got, you know, we're all over and it's just, it's boom, boom, boom. I see it all over the place. People just live crazy, like just going, going, going. The problem is, is as Paul said, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all. Well, if you're so busy, if you're not careful, the opportunity, you just walk right by. That person that's hurting or suffering, you've got things to do. Some of those things are good things. Not necessarily bad things. I struggle with this as a pastor. And I have a trump card because I'm doing the Lord's work all the time. <laughs> but I can get so busy in that that I, I'm too busy to see somebody that's hurting. I've got to get to church. How about that one? I've got to go preach. And we can, if we're not careful, church, we miss the very thing that God has called us to do, that God has made us for, the reason that he calls us the body of Christ. How do we minister to somebody if we can't spare five minutes? Or if we're honest, at least with myself, it's not that I maybe don't have the time, but I know this is going to be, this is going to be dirty and ugly and not, not, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. And I'm going to have to meet with this person on a regular basis and it's going to be drawn out and we're going to look... Are, how, how busy are we, and what are we busy doing? Are we busy sowing to things that are eternal, or are we busy sowing to things that are trivial and going to pass away? Have you ever thought about that? I know, I, know, I know this is probably something you think about every day <clears throat> or heard before, but one thing I've tried to do as of late, especially as <clears throat> I stop and I think, I'm like, is this, is this something eternal? Is this thing that I'm pursuing, is this thing that I'm doing, <clears throat> does it have an eternal weight? And I'll tell you, things start to become, become lined up very quickly, and it becomes very easy to see where your time is and where it's going. Don't get me wrong. There's things, you know, me and Chris, Chris, beat the tar out of me today playing squash. Uh, I don't think there's any eternal weight in that. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's forgiveness that I had to extend to you. Um, but it was just enjoyable. But, you know, th there's nothing wrong with those things, church. You know, please. <laughs> okay, I'm just got to stop for a second. <clears throat> please don't be one of those people. You know, Chris, they asked me to play squash. I was like, I got time, sure. I didn't, I didn't stop and open my Bible and pray. God, I need you to speak to my soul about if I can play squash with Chris today. Okay? God, he dwells in you. He speaks to you. If you have time to go enjoy yourself a little bit without violating any scripture, then just do so. That's, there's nothing wrong with those things. Okay? Don't, please don't go to the extreme of what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, what I, what I just want to encourage you tonight is just assess Assess the things you do. If, if Chris and I were playing squash, you know, seven days a week and doing all this stuff, you know, and I'm neglecting my family, that's a problem. 
if I sat around, let me bring it a little closer to home. If I sat around watching football or sports on television all day while my kids just jumped all over the place and my wife's running around after them and I didn't do anything, that would become, that's a problem. Okay? So to the things that are eternal. Make sure that you have opportunity in your life. And as, as he closes out there, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Church, we are called to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. We are called to go out and make disciples of, of people all around the world. But again, Christ came and died for his church. He loves his church. We are called the bride of Christ, correct? He's the head, we're the body. All these, you know, we are connected to Jesus. The church is connected to Christ. Christ cares about his church. Therefore, we need to care about our church. And it starts here locally, and then it, it goes out. We need to be caring and praying about the church. Please, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for your pastors. Pray for the ministry that we're doing. You know, this coming year, I, you know, we've been, we've been talking about it with leaders, and, you know, just we really wanted to shift gears and move forward into what God has next for this, this body. We spent the first two years really, not in a bad way, but inward focus. We had to get things running as a new church. But now that things are up and running for the most part, we have to start looking outward. How do we start doing things here in this country and in this area? That's why we're doing these things. That's why we're, uh, you know, we're doing this drive to, to get all this food and stuff to... to, to be, you know, God, be Christ with skin on, right? With flesh on and walk to people and show the love of Christ. Feed people. Share, you know, if we can, share a, a message of love with them. We're trying, we're trying to do more things and we will as God leads us. <clears throat> Listen, in closing, one thing I want to just leave you with. Do you remember the two themes? Personal and mutual. Very good. I'll let you leave tonight. Uh, you, get an a, you get an A plus. Personal responsibility, mutual accountability. But I just want to say one thing. <clears throat> As we are in community together, please do not think for a minute that there's some sort of higher, perfect community setting where all is blissful with everyone all the time. I think we, we do our set, we set ourselves up kind of for some failure because people in the church will offend you. We are all at different places. We are all at different levels in our walk with God and our spiritual walk. We're at different places in our journey. We choose to do this together. Do you know why? Because when we do this, what we're doing here, and we're able to go somewhere. You should have seen when we went to Max's, the Filipino restaurant. Did you guys come to that? Were you there? And when we roll in and there's Indians and South Africans and Americans and Filipinos, and we've got like this whole crew of people rolling up in this restaurant and people are just staring at us <laughs> because they're like waiting for the punchline. Like what in the world? How are these people together? It's simple. It's because Jesus and because of Jesus, we're able to love one another and we're able to work past 
all of our differences. And if you have a difference with somebody, and this is what Paul is saying, is you need to go to that person. You need to, 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 to remedy that, to deal with it. Don't sit on it. Don't do this behind their back. Go talk to them. Because the greatest example, our greatest testimony as a body of believers is the way that we love each other. And this right here, and our church in particular, it speaks louder than you can imagine. Do you know why? It's because we're not all American. We're not all Indian. We're not all Filipino. We're all, not all from the UK. We're not all from South Africa. Right? When we do church, when we do life together in community, and people see, and just like those people in that restaurant are scratching their heads because they cannot figure it out as they're sitting at the table with all the same people of the same color. And it's like, again, nothing wrong with that, what they're doing. But what I'm saying is when we do church and we do it like this, this is heaven. This is a picture of what heaven is going to be like. There's not an American heaven and an Indian heaven and a Filipino heaven. It's like, hmm. Do I want pancid? <laughs> uh, do I want some buttered naan? Do I want some ribs? Some clotted cream? Right, Beth? And I don't know what else everybody does, but... No, we're all going to be together. Amen? Amen. So be encouraged tonight, church, and, and again, to this week. Sit down, and, and when you get home, I would encourage you, or this week sometime... Write those two, two, those two themes out, all right? Personal responsibility and mutual accountability. And then I want you to look at your life. Look at how you live. Are there people in your world that can hold you accountable? I stand before you. There are people in this church, there are men in this church that I go to and I am completely transparent with. Because I need accountability. I need somebody to know me well enough that I don't have to come actually say something. They can see in the way I'm acting, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. They're like, Dell, is everything okay? Yeah. Not in a way that's judgmental, but how can I help you? What can I do? If you do not have somebody like that in your world, you need someone. Now, be careful. <laughs> don't go outside tonight and grab the first person you see. And hey, can I, could you hold me accountable? <laughs> Probably won't go well. You want somebody that's, that can handle, that can be mature, that can keep your things private and, and just be very you know, careful who you choose to do that because I'm sure most of us that are nodding have chosen the wrong person in the past and our business ends up places it shouldn't be. All right? Would you stand with me? I just ask that you bow your heads here for a moment. I want you just to, to ask God right now, and, and he, I know that he's already been speaking to you, but... When I say personal responsibility, I want you just to ask God. I want you to examine yourself, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you, have you been responsible? Are you living right before God? Are you in a position to extend help to someone else, or are you... just in a state of sinking yourself.
sin can just, if you're not careful, it can just sit there for so long. Like I said, it becomes almost like your pet. You become used to it. And if you see anything in your life right now, if you are sitting there and if God is showing you something right now, this is the beauty of the cross is that you can repent now. You can ask forgiveness and forgiveness is there. However, it does not stop there, meaning you've repented, but true repentance means not just asking for forgiveness, but now you turn away from that sin and you move the other direction. If you're truly a believer, you will make mistakes, and that's, that's the sins that we're talking about. But habitual sin is, is not right and is not godly. Our desires should be to be found holy and to be obedient to what God has said. And perhaps today you're doing pretty well in your life and you're living a life that's edifying to God, but maybe you haven't really connected here at CIC. Maybe you're not connected here even in Kuwait relationally with someone or this church. And I would encourage you today to, to begin to ask God, just, Lord, is there someone in my, in, in my world here, in my life here, that I can connect with? And I would also ask that you consider even a, a life group to join where there's a group of people, a community of people that you can get to know and that can get to know you and show you the love of Christ. And that can be another outlet for you to share. Church, we need accountability. We cannot, we cannot do it on our own. It was never designed that way. So if that's you today, if you're here in this place and you see something that you do not like today, you see something that you need to, to let go of or a place you need to grow in, I'd ask you just to turn it over to God today. And if you're here with somebody that you do trust, I would encourage you to share with them what God has shown you. Because what that is, is that's an accountability. The pastors are here as well to, to be there for you if it's something you're, it's very personal or that you're concerned to share this with anybody, that's why we're here. That's why Steve and I do what we do is, is to be available to you, to journey with you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we, again, thank you for this time today. God, I thank you for this opportunity. for this time of year, for this, this week of Advent where we focus on the love that you've shown. The love that you've shown. And as with any parent, as any parent knows, if you truly love your child, you have to bring correction. And sometimes it's painful, but it's all out of love. So Lord, as we 
just put at the front of our, our mind today and in our thoughts this the love of God that was so great, Lord, that you didn't even spare your only son. What greater love can there be? Lord, help us to love each other well. Help us to be a community here, starting here, Lord, in this church. God, I thank you for the community that we are, Lord, but I know that we can grow closer together, that we be a, a like we be a family, as, as your word says, and that we be knitted together. And God, when, when trouble and struggles come, God, we just ask you, Lord, that you would help us to turn to one another. If we're offended here today, if you're sitting in your seat and you have an offense with somebody in this room, then you need to take care of that today. That's accountability, that's responsibility. Just feel God just impressing on me now just to share with you that the truth is that this church can never truly move forward and launch out into everything that God has intended until we are a knit community, until sin is, is pushed out and we are standing and living a life open before a holy God, walking with one another. See, God is just looking. He's just searching for people that will humbly bow down, that will confess their sins and realize that it is a privilege and a pleasure to be used by God to accomplish his purposes. Great revival cannot happen. We cannot be stirred into action until first we address the sin that lingers in our lives. And my prayer, church, for this, this body is that we go out in this region of the world, that we do things like no one has ever seen before. but emotionalism, all these other things are not gonna get us there. It's gonna be through what the word of God says. It's gonna be through repentance. It's gonna be through a humbling and just allowing God to move and to do what he wants to in this place. But we have to do it together. Much like that story I shared in the military, we have to do it together. One person can't cross the line by themselves. God, we ask that you would help us to come to that place. Lord, I thank you again for this time today. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, that your word has spoken to us. God, that we walk out of this place to put this word into action now and not let it just die. I pray that it goes beyond just the conviction, but that it, it, it does transition into action and to change where it's needed. Thank you for your presence here in this place. In Jesus' name.